Five years ago, uh, last month on July 8th, my mom went to be with the Lord. Uh, She succumbed to a disease that she uh, had been fighting for quite a while, longer than I think any of us knew, called cerebellar ataxia. And it's a slow deterioration of her cerebellum that in her final kind of weeks and months, it it left her uh, without the ability to, to move any of her muscles, control any of her muscles, bedridden, unable to, to speak. And, and on the day that, that mom passed away, we were all in the hospital room with her. She was incredibly weak and tired, but she had enough strength to, to, to just open up one eye so that she could see the, the people in the room with her. But really the only ones that she was actually interested in seeing uh, were her granddaughters, my, my two daughters, Adeline and Nora. She did not take her eye off of them. She just followed them all around the room, watching them. Our youngest, Nora, she was three years old at the time and she had just learned this new trick that she was very proud of. She could snap her fingers and whistle at the same time. And uh, so she was like, she realized that people also enjoyed watching her do this. And so she did it a lot. And I remember holding her and mom had her eye open watching her. And one of my, my last memories of, of my mom that I, I hope that I carry with me for the rest of my life is seeing her watch Nora snap her fingers and whistle. And with the last little bit, literally the last little bit of strength that my mom had, she cracked a smile. And, and mom didn't just smile with her mouth, she smiled with her eyes. And it was just moments after that, she closed her eye. And within an hour, mom passed away, surrounded by family, well, I got to hold her hand. And I've often wondered what mom saw next when she opened her eyes. Four years before she passed away, I had the blessing of baptizing my mom after she confessed her faith in Christ. And so I was confident in her salvation. It gave me so much hope in that moment. And I just, I imagine that when she opened her eyes on the other side of eternity, what she saw was more beautiful than words could capture. In that moment, my mom was fully healed, fully restored. She was no longer trapped in a nursing home, living in her bed. She was no longer trapped inside of this body that had failed her at such a young age. In that moment, within a blink of an eye, My mom was home. 112 days ago, we started a journey through the books of first and second Peter. And today, 17 weeks later, we are coming to a close. We're wrapping this up and we're looking at a topic today that, you know, I think about in my life. I don't, I don't think about nearly enough. We probably don't talk about nearly enough. Today, we're talking about heaven. And we want to close out this series this way because Peter talks about heaven a lot. It is woven through nearly every section in his two letters to the the early church. We see it literally from beginning all the way to the end. This is is how Peter starts his his first letter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He says, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout all of the the known world. And so what does it mean to be in exile? Well, it means that you are not home. 
as someone who is not in their, their home. It means that you're living in a place that is, that is foreign to where you are from. And so in terms of the Christian faith, it means that we live here, but our citizenship is somewhere else, that we belong to a greater kingdom, that we answer to a greater king. And so right off the bat, Peter wants us to know that even though we live in this world, this world is not our home. And so if this is not our home, then what is? Well, the easy answer for those of us who are in Christ is that our home is heaven. And Peter refers to it in the passage that we looked at last week by its other name. This is what he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, all the way towards the end of his second letter. He says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so from the first verse all the way to the end of his second letter, Peter references the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. And we see all throughout these letter kind of callbacks to, to what Peter saw and experienced as he followed Jesus. And I imagine that all of these references to heaven reminded Peter of when Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to go prepare a home for you. And Peter points to that home as a reason to stand firm in the midst of persecution. He points to that eternal home as a reason to use our gifts to serve others and to point them to, to Jesus, to, to love them, to live holy lives. And Peter says that our hope of heaven gives us strength to stand firm in temptation, to resist Satan gives us peace in this chaotic world, knowing that, knowing that life's not always going to be like this. It's not going to be how it is right now. And maybe that's like the exact message that you need to come to church today and hear that whatever you are going through, whatever pain you woke up with this morning, whatever burden you cannot get off of your mind, it's not always going to be like this. Heaven awaits those who put their faith in Jesus and knowing heaven awaits, gives us the ability to persevere in our faith and to not give up when times are tough. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote about heaven, to come to thee is to come home from exile, to come to land out of the raging storm, to come to rest after long labor, to come to the goal of my desires and the summit of my wishes. I think Peter would read that and give a hearty amen. And to Peter and the other New Testament writers, the beauty of heaven is what gave them hope and boldness to stand with Christ, even if it cost them their lives. To, to them, life on this earth was a small price to pay in comparison to the eternal inheritance and riches and glory that they were going to experience in heaven. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, that to depart from this life, to be with Christ, is far better than anything he could experience here in this world. The early followers of Jesus had this deep, insatiable longing for heaven. It fueled their faith, gave them strength to stand. But if I'm honest, Heaven's not really something that I think a lot about. Maybe, maybe you do. I talk to some people that, man, it's on their minds constantly. 
But I also talk to a lot more people that are like, I don't really give it a whole lot of thought. It's easy for us to just kind of get caught up in this life, get caught up in our rhythms and our routines, our to-do list, going to job, you know, getting money. Are we going to be able to pay the mortgage this month? Are we going to be able to uh, get our kids into the school? Are we going to be able uh, to, to go on that vacation? We have all of these goals that we're trying to meet. And we just kind of get into this rat race where, where we only focus on what is right there next in front of us. I think it's why so many people try to make the most out of this life because we've lost focus on the life that is, is to come. And when we do think about heaven, most of us, we don't really even know what to think about it. Like we don't have a clear picture of what heaven is going to be like. And so we think of things like disembodied spirits floating on clouds playing harps, which I gotta be honest, just sounds awful to me. <laughs> I don't want to part any part of that. Alan Burris, our director of spiritual formation, comes from a Church of Christ background, non-instrumental. They don't use instruments in their worship. And so Alan's like, we don't even get harps. Like, we just have to float around on clouds. That sounds even worse, man. <laughs> I've heard others describe heaven as one big church service that lasts for all of eternity. And some of you are like, man, I go to a church for an hour and it feels like an eternity. I can't imagine that being what heaven is like. <laughs> I think for most of us, when we think of heaven, we don't know what to think. At best, we think, well, it's better than the alternative. And so if I had to choose, I guess I'll, I'll choose heaven. I've talked to a lot of people over the years who feel, one, either guilty because they don't desire heaven more. Or two, I've talked to some people who are like, what if heaven's going to be boring when the Bible talks about heaven, it's anything but, but boring. See, the picture that the Bible paints of heaven is of something that is very familiar and yet altogether new. It is physical and tangible. It's not, it's not just spiritual. And this new heaven and new earth is not someplace that we will go. It is something that will come to us. It is something that God will bring to us. Look at what the apostle John wrote in Revelation chapter 21, the passage that Joshua read for us during worship. He says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And then look what he says. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is where? Is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. See, a time is coming when God is going to come to us. He is going to come and redeem and restore and renew this world into our eternal dwelling place. He will bring a new heaven and a new earth to the old and will recreate it for resurrected people to live there. And scripture paints a beautiful picture of what this is going to, to look like. There's so many different images that, that we read 
in scripture about what heaven is gonna be like. We're told that heaven is a city. And just like any bustling city, heaven is gonna be filled with people and buildings and good food and great coffee. Can I get an amen, Quentin? (laughs) It's gonna be filled with activities and art and music, all of these things that bring our life joy and and just pleasure. Heaven is gonna be filled with all of those things. Heaven is described as a new earth. And so I imagine that some of the things that we love most about this earth are going to be even better in the new earth. That there will be lakes and rivers to explore. There'll be mountains to hike, golf courses to golf if you're into that thing. And you, anyway, I won't go there about what might be missing from the golf course in heaven, but uh, there'll be trees and flowers to gaze upon without worry of allergies or mosquitoes because I'm convinced those won't be anywhere near heaven. Those things are not from God. (laughs) In his book on on heaven, written by a guy named Randy Alcorn, which if you just want to learn more about this study, take a deep dive. It's a a thick volume, but it it is worth the read. This is what he says. He says, in order to get a picture of heaven, You simply need to look around you and imagine what all of this would be like without sin and death and suffering and corruption. And I think that just like Jesus' resurrected body was physical, we will be physical beings too, just as physical as we are today, but we will have new bodies that are no longer subject to sickness or pain or COVID, no more sore knees or stiff backs or migraines. And we'll use these renewed bodies in our minds. The Bible tells us to to reign with Christ in this new earth. We will find our greatest pleasure in God and we will work and we will play all for his glory as an act of worship physically and emotionally. We will be full of energy and live in this constant state of satisfaction and joy. We'll be in perfect relationship with God and with others. We'll see his beauty in everything and everyone, just like we were intended to see. We'll be reunited with old friends in Christ who have gone before us, family members that that we love, family members that we had never met before. We'll make new friends and be able to meet heroes of our faith who have inspired us. And greatest of all, we will finally see our savior face to face. We will be real people with real bodies, enjoying a real intimate relationship with God and others. We will eat and drink, work and play, travel and discover life as God intended for it to be life without any of the effects of sin and brokenness and pain. For me, one of the best ways to to try to imagine what heaven is going to be like, instead of what's going to be there, is to imagine what's not going to be there. We know that there'll be no more death and no more suffering. But play that out. And that means that there'll be no more funeral homes, no more cemeteries, no more doctor's offices. There'll be no more gossiping or backbiting, no more painful words spoken at our expense. 
No more abuse. There'll be no more addictions. There'll be no more cancer or arthritis, no more mental illness. There'll be no more anger or fear of failure, like we don't measure up or like we're worthless. No hidden agendas or betrayals, no more thinking to ourselves that this isn't right, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. I think, I think that when we, when we feel that in this life, that is eternity that God has planted in our hearts, they're like, man, there's something more, there's something better. There'll be no more taxes or bills to pay, no more leaky, leaky sinks or backed up septic tanks. There'll be no more lonely meals. No more hunger, no more weeping, only tears of joy. The new earth will be so full of God's life and love that anything that resembles or feels like death on this earth will absolutely be no more. That the, the, the new earth and the new heaven is gonna be turned upside down. As one author put it, what happened to Jesus on Easter morning is what God has in store for the entire universe. Everything will be renewed. Everything will be exactly as it should be and will only get better and better. I think even now there are times when we catch a glimpse at just how beautiful heaven is going to be. Times in, in life, you've had them. Times in life where it just seems like the veil between heaven and earth is just paper thin. I, I think of watching my wife walk down the aisle on our wedding day. I think of being able to hold my daughters for the very first time and feeling them wiggle in my arms, wondering, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I think of those times when Amber and I laugh so hard, we can't even hardly even breathe. And we got tears coming down our, our face, the, the face that she makes when she's trying to catch her breath because she's laughing so hard. Those are like moments in life when heaven meets earth. I, I think of sharing good meals with even better friends and telling stories late into the night, which for me is like 8.30. Um, I, we, we all have our limits. Uh, that, one's, that one's mine. <laughs> if it goes past that, it doesn't really feel like heaven for me. Um, but that sweet spot, man, it's good. It's good. I think of climbing mountains and, and just looking down on the beauty and the grandeur of God's creation. Like there are moments in life that, that just are a foretaste of what is to come where, where that, that thing inside of us just cries out and says, yes, this is what it's supposed to be like. And God is saying, absolutely. And I've got an eternity prepared of that for you. And while we wait for our eternal home, I believe that God invites us. He sent us out on mission he invites us to bring heaven just a little bit closer to this earth in the way that we live and in the way that we love others as exiles in this world longing for our eternal home. We work for its good. We love and we serve others like Jesus. We give people a taste of what heaven is going to be like 
so that they long for more. And then we point them to the one who can deliver it to them as well. We invite them on this journey towards home with us and we help them know love and follow Jesus. I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to go on our Wyoming family camp mission trip with my youngest daughter, Nora. And we went out to Wind River Reservation uh, to, to serve that week. And the very first thing that, that we did was uh, we set up a, a clothing distribution in uh, just outside of, of Riverton, Wyoming, right there on the, on the reservation. And the missionaries, uh, they, they sent out you know, word earlier that we were gonna be doing this. And right at 10 o'clock, people started showing up and we had driven through the, the reservation a little bit already. And, I, and I'll tell you, I, trying to come up with a word to capture what that experience was like, the only thing that I could think was disorienting. It was disorienting to realize, I mean, there's, I've seen poverty, but I've never seen poverty like this, especially in our, in our own country. And so we had people who were coming out, moms, grandmas with their, their kiddos who had next to, to nothing. And we were there to minister to them, to help them find some clothes, but more importantly, to invite them to, to get connected with the church and to invite the kids to an all-day VBS that we were doing later on that week. And so we were in the midst of it. It was just so much fun watching the, the kids come and pick out toys while the parents and grandparents were shopping for clothes. And a really neat connection is that the clothes and the toys and the items that we were handing out that day all came from our backyard VBSs throughout the summer. And so we were handing out clothes that many of you and your neighbors donated. It was really neat to, to see, you know, IU gear in the middle of Wyoming, Bloomington South, you know, represented in Riverton on Wind River Reservation. And there was a, a mom who pulled up towards the end and she got out with her daughter, probably just preteen. And mom came up and one of the people that were on the trip with us, Renee, she went up to the mom and said, hey, welcome, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, here's some information about the, the church. And the mom said, oh, I'm not really interested in, in things like that. And Renee said, hey, that's fine. Let me, let me help you shop. And while the mom and Renee were shopping, uh, the, the young daughter and one of the teenagers on the trip, Kari, they went off and started talking and she was helping the, the daughter find something as well. And it was so beautiful just to watch these two pour in to this mom and daughter. And at the end of their time together, they were leaving with a couple of bagfuls of clothes. And the mom said, you know what? Tell me a little bit more about that church. And so she did and told them about kids club the next day. And Monday morning, that mom showed up with her four kids and a connection was made. Now this ministry was able to connect with this hurting family and give them hope and point them to Jesus. And they were able to do it because of clothes that were donated from here and mission team that went there and a ministry that serves all to bring heaven just a little bit closer to earth in the lives of people who are hurting and looking for hope. And that's what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. But there are times in life when we feel the despair of the other reality, murder, abuse, rape, 
accidents, sickness. Again, Randy Alcorn writes, the best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven. The worst of life is a glimpse of hell. For Christians, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. For unbelievers, it is the closest they will come to heaven. See, the truth is, is that heaven is not our default destination. All of us have sinned and our sin separates us from a relationship with God, a God who is so holy and righteous that he cannot be in the presence of sin. And so there is no way on our own, despite our good works, there is nothing we can do to enter into heaven on our own. What we deserve for our sin is hell. And the Bible describes hell as a place of eternal separation from God because God is the source of all good and hell is the absence of God. Then hell is the absence of anything good, anything meaningful, anything pleasurable. That means that there is no community or friendship. There is no love or joy. Hell is described as this place of constant misery and regret. The good news of the gospel is that God dealt with our sin. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself the hell that we deserve and gave us the heaven that we did not deserve. Because of the cross, the the debt of our sin has been paid in full. We have been offered this free gift of grace and salvation, but it's up to us to receive it. We must choose to accept it. And there are many many who don't. But in this crazy year, there have been many within our church family at all of our campuses who have made the decision to surrender their life to Christ and follow him. Let's check out this video. forgiven from my sins and so that I can be a good example to my younger cousins and my family. That when all my sins to be washed away and I want to have a fresh beginning. Cliff, you might call him a little bit of a skeptic. He's been on this spiritual journey 
And God has just been answering his questions and bringing him to the point where he has found the truth. And today, the truth is setting him free. I will follow Jesus through death and through living. I want to be baptized because I have decided to live my life for Jesus because I know Jesus died on the cross for me and everyone else. Past four or five years, I've been walking with my friend Corey and sharing scripture and some sermons. And he's asked questions and we've had good discussions. And one day he called me and said, I'm ready to give my life to Christ and he wanted to be baptized. So we set that up. And probably a day after that, he called me again and said, actually, my son Drake wants to be baptized too. So I was thrilled to be able to do both. I want to get baptized because it will show people how much I love Jesus. And it also washes away sin from the past and in the future. I want to get baptized so I can share my life, my new life with Jesus. I realize my need for Savior because I'm sinful and I need God's mercy and grace every single day. I'm excited about getting baptized because I know what I believe in my heart and I want to commit life to God and fully surrender with Him, starting with baptism. Hey, can we praise God for that? Uh, my, my, my buddy Donnie Thomas says down in Owensboro, Kentucky, if that doesn't light your fire, then your wood is wet. <laughs> As we close out this morning... If you're ready to make a decision like what we just saw countless people do in the video, if you're ready to give your life to Christ and be baptized, you can do it today. We've got everything that you need. We can help you take that step even before you leave. You can leave here today knowing that the beauty of heaven that we talked about today awaits you, can be yours because you placed your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. I'm gonna close this off with a word of prayer and then we're gonna sing a little bit more. This morning, if you have a decision to make, if you're ready to take that step, to be baptized, give your life to Christ, to leave here with that assurance of heaven today, we wanna help you make that step. Father, thanks so much for your grace. Thank you for the hope of heaven. I pray, Lord, that it will inspire us to be bold in our faith, to stand strong in the midst of persecution, suffering, trials, temptation, that it will will inspire us in our mission, our evangelism, to help more people know, love, and follow Jesus. And Lord, for maybe the person that's here right now in this moment, God, would you give them the courage to take a step towards you? Because as a father who loves them, you are running towards them. 
Lord, thank you for your free gift of grace and salvation. And thank you, Jesus, for the home that you are preparing for us by grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.